This week on One Body, Stewarding God's Creation, Tony Gable talks about how we can attain mercy through the first Saturday devotion. One body. Why are devotions so important? One body. How can we experience God's mercy through the first Saturday devotion? We'll answer this and much more. Tony Gable is being interviewed by Divine Mercy Radio's on-air host, Cody Marincer. And we have the blessing uh, to have Dr. Tony Gable in here with us. Uh, he's, he's actually just sitting down in the chair, so not to hurry you along too much here. Um, but uh, Tony it was raised in Hayes and received his bachelor's degree. Bleh, sorry, my tongue tiedness sometimes gets to me. <laughs> his bachelor's degree in political science from Fort Hayes State University and earned his Juris Doctorate degree from Notre Dame Law School. He's an associate professor. professor. Full professor now. Oh, yeah. full professor now. Fantastic. Thank you for correcting me. Uh, at Fort Hayes State University. In his spare time, he promotes the first Sunday devotion at Immaculate Heart of Mary Parish, as well as sings for masses. He's married to Christine, and they have two adult sons, Michael and Christopher. How are you doing today, sir? Oh, I'm doing well. Michael and Stephen. Michael and Stephen. Stephen. <laughs> but My hey, goodness. Yeah. <laughs> I don't know how. Yeah, sorry, Stephen, that... Uh, Oh, we got that wrong. I apologize, <laughs> but thank you for correcting me on that. Also, feel free to correct me on anything it's, today. It's That's... kind of funny. His his uh, his uh, godfather and his confirmation sponsor is is Christopher. So, oh, maybe that. <laughs> so you know, it, 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 and they both look very very alike. I mean, they're definitely cousins. There's no doubt about that. Fantastic. Well, it's great to have you um, into the studio today. Sure. Um, I think we're going to be talking about the um, first Saturday devotions. Is yes, that correct? That is correct. That All is right. Correct. So um, I'm. And I just kind of let you lead us off on um, where do you want to go with the first Saturday's devotions? What is it? How do we do it? Anything you want to start us with? Okay, absolutely. Well, the Fatima message, that's where I was looking at today. And I think if you take a look at Fatima and in, in particular what has been requested of us and what's been promised, uh, there, there is certainly a mercy there that is, that is granted to us. And one of the things I wanted to take a look at today uh, or at least during our conversation, is the, the vision that Sister Lucia had uh, during 1929, so June 13th of 1929. We'll talk about that just a, a little bit later. But before we jump into this um, and, and get into that topic, a couple things about the first Saturday devotion. Uh, just so people know that we do have that devotion, and uh, uh, we certainly practice that at Immaculate Heart of Mary Parish in Hayes. I know St. Joe's does as well. Uh, so at Immaculate Heart of Mary, we have uh, a rosary uh, before Mass at 7.30, Mass at 8, and then we have a uh, directed or guided meditation afterwards. All three of those are required, as well as sacramental confession. But I would encourage people to go to confession before or after um, that first Saturday. Uh, you receive communion, of course, as long as you are in a state of grace. But I encourage people to go ahead and go to confession prior to that. But please, uh, if you can, start that devotion as early as this this weekend. Absolutely. You know, in the... Um you, you mentioned uh, the parishes that are doing it. Um, you don't have to belong to a parish that is doing it. No, not <laughs> I mean, at all. You can take up this devotion, um, you know, because we have, uh, I, I would imagine that not every parish in our diocese or everybody that is listening, um, that their parish may not offer it. Um, but um, if you know one close, um, yeah, you can do that. Mm -hmm. 
Yeah, you absolutely can. And so I, I know that not every parish in our diocese has a uh, uh, a separate Saturday Mass just for Saturday. Of course, we have a Saturday Mass perhaps in the evening in anticipation of Sunday. Yeah. But uh, not many, not all parishes will have, for example, a Saturday morning mass as St. Joseph's and Immaculate Heart does. I'm not sure. Does St. Nick have a Saturday morning mass or not? Um, Off the you top know, of my head, I, I, I work there, and now that you put me on the spot, I don't even remember at the moment. I am so sorry, <laughs> no, that's Father right. Damien. <laughs> <laughs> well, he, he can take that up with you later, I No, suppose. actually, um, I don't think we do because we have a men's group um, okay. that meets there. Ah, so. on Saturday mornings? Yeah. Very good. Yeah. Very good. Yeah. Well, um, anyway, so if you take up this devotion, uh, certainly as early as this Saturday, you can start that. So um, some of the requirements, I, I sort of listed them out and just sort of refresh some people's memories because we've, we've talked about this on previous occasions. Um, so the requirements are, of course, uh, to go to confession, uh, sacramental confession. Mm-hmm. And, and by the way, each one of these requirements uh, must be um, completed with the intention of making, rep- making reparations to the uh, Immaculate Heart of Mary. Okay. So when you go to confession, you offer up that confession uh, in reparation for the sins committed against the Immaculate Heart. And uh, so you have that intention as you're doing that. So go to sacramental confession. And so uh, the, the second thing is is to attend a Mass. And, and of course, the Mass um, may be offered up for various intentions that day at that particular parish. Uh, but in your own mind, you're offering up your, your graces you receive from the Mass in reparation again for the sins committed against the Immaculate Heart. The third thing is receive communion with the same intention, sacramental communion, because we can um, to, to actually receive the, the body, blood, soul, and divinity of Christ in, in, in the Eucharist. And then pray the rosary, uh, you know, five decades of the rosary. That's what we're normally used to. Uh, so we would pray that and then meditate 15 minutes upon the mysteries of the rosary. It can be an individual mystery, all 15, all 20, uh, a set of them. So say the joyous mysteries or the, the sorrowful mysteries, um, but to meditate on those for 15 minutes. And, and in doing so, the idea is to see the, the sacrifices of Christ, see Christ's life through the eyes of Mary. And in that way, we are brought to Jesus through Mary, our mother. That's, that's the whole goal. And if you think about it, when, if you start this devotion, and the idea of a devotion is to, is to harmonize, as, the, as, our, um, as our bishops of the United States Conference of Catholic Bishops actually said, the idea of devotions is to harmonize our life um, with, with, the, with the liturgy itself. Um, I will read a quick comment here about that. So this is from Popular Devotional Practices, uh, Basic Questions and Answers. This is from 2003. The Fathers of the Second Vatican Council recognized the importance of popular devotions in the life of the church and encouraged pastors and teachers to promote sound popular devotions. They wrote, popular devotions of the Christian people are to be highly commended, provided they accord with the laws and norms of the church. More recently, Pope John Paul II has devoted an entire apostolic letter to a popular devotion, the Rosary, calling on bishops, priests, and deacons to promote promote it with conviction, and recommending to all the faithful, and recommending to and recommending it to all the faithful. Confidently taking up the Rosary once again, rediscovered the Rosary in the light of Scripture, in harmony with the liturgy, and in the context of your daily lives. So the idea behind devotions is we should harmonize those personal devotions that we have, that we cultivate, whether it's a devotion to a particular saint, uh, perhaps a devotion to the, uh, uh, the, uh, uh, the way of the cross, 
um, a devotion to prayer life, in fact, a, a devotional reading of the Bible. We should harmonize that with the, the sacrifice of the Mass, the liturgy that is there, and in, in that way draw ourselves ever closer to God. Absolutely. You know, and the, that's the thing with the, with all of these is, you know, sometimes people are like, well, what's the end goal and stuff like that? And you, you already talked about that. Uh, but it, the beautiful thing about it is that if you look toward these um, – you know, well, look at the things that you do, confession, mass, communion, rosary, meditate on the rosary. Everything that Mary wants is to point you to her son. Right. Um, and so if, if you look at it, and you're like, oh, well, that makes me a better person. That makes me better. You know, that brings me sacramental graces. Like, wow. Yeah, if I do these things, no wonder it would have um, some sort of effect on my spiritual life and my relationship with Christ. Yeah, absolutely. And when you think about this, uh, the, the, the request for this particular devotion is five consecutive first Saturdays. Mm-hmm. But nothing says that you do, you're do. you one and done. <laughs> yeah. Uh, I mean, that's certainly the, the promises are there, and that's what's been requested. But just imagine if you continue this devotion on a monthly basis – and you're there recollecting your sins once a month at least, right? Yeah. Uh, and, and in that way, you're bringing yourself into reconciliation with, with your, your Lord and King, you know, Jesus Christ, and, and gathering his mercy from that. You know, our, our, our Blessed Mother is saying, this is what I want you to do because it gets you closer to our son. And then in that same weekend, that same Saturday, you, you go and you have, have you attend Mass, which, is, of course, is the representation of the sacrifice on Calvary. And so you, you witness that and then partake in that sacrifice in the Eucharist and draw close and, and, and to, to Christ. And you now become a tabernacle of Christ himself. Yeah. And the, Mary's asking you, do this, and she's pointing towards her son, and so you draw him into your life. And then you say the rosary, and in that time of the rosary, as you're doing your vocal prayer and, and your, perhaps even your, your meditative or mental prayer as you're praying the rosary, you're seeing Christ's actions through her eyes. And again, drawing ever closer to him. And then finally meditating on those quietly, maybe, maybe even getting up to contemplative prayer, perhaps, if you're so graced upon those mysteries once again. Also, Mary pointing you towards Christ, pointing you towards our triune God. I mean, how can you miss if you actually <laughs> do this devotion regularly okay. on a Saturday? Yeah, absolutely. All right. Back with Dr. Tony Gable here. Um, you know, just talking about um, all of the blessings that can flow from um, the, the first Saturday devotion. Um, but the greatest blessing is we become closer to our Lord. Right. Absolutely. That's the whole point about it is, is this devotion – uh, was asked for, was requested by our Blessed Mother and also by, by Christ himself in, in later visions that uh, Sister Lucia had, uh, to, to do that, to not only make reparations for the sins, the blasphemies that are committed against the Immaculate Heart, but ultimately to draw us closer to, to Christ himself, to our triune God. And as I, as I was looking and preparing for today, one of the things that struck me, and, and I'm not sure many people know, you know, Sister Lucia, of course, and, and Francisco and uh, Jacinta, they all saw our Blessed Mother during the six apparitions in Fatima, Portugal in 1917. But during the July 13th, uh, 1917 vision, that's where the, the secret of Fatima was given to them, and there are three parts to that. The second part of that secret pointed to a promise or promises of the Blessed Mother coming back and requesting the beginning of the devotion to the to her Immaculate Heart through the first Saturday devotion, and then also for the consecration of Russia. 
And so she said, I, I promise I'll come back and request those things. And so that was in July 13th of 1917. So the other two dates to keep in, in mind are the establishment of the First Saturday Devotion. That's where the Blessed Mother appeared to, to Sister Lucia and said, look, this is now the time I'm requesting that this First Saturday Devotion begin. And that's where we get the requirements for it. And that was in, on December 10th of 1925. But what we don't hear as much uh, about, at least the details about, is, is the, the request for the consecration of Russia. So our Blessed Mother returns to Sister Lucia uh, in her convent in June 13th of 1929. And at that point in time, she requests the consecration of Russia. But Sister Lucia in her diary has a fantastic entry. And, and this is where the tie-in to mercy, I think, comes in, at least for me. And uh, there's, there's a painting of this vision, uh, various paintings of it that are absolutely fantastic. But anyway, I, I just want to read the quote from this, just to get us into this idea, to see this, this image as it was described. So this is from Sister Lucy. Uh, I had sought and obtained permission from my superiors and confessor to make a holy hour from 11 o'clock until midnight, every Thursday to Friday. Being alone one night, I knelt near the altar rails in, in, in the middle of the chapel and prostrate. I prayed the prayers of the angel. Feeling tired, I then stood up and continued to say the prayers with my arms in the form of a cross. The only light was that of the sanctuary lamp. Suddenly, the whole chapel was illumined by a supernatural light, and above the altar appeared a cross of light, reaching to the ceiling. In a brighter light on the upper part of the cross could be seen the face of a man and his body as far as the waist. Upon his breast was a dove, also of light, and nailed to the cross was the body of another man. A little below the waist, I could see a chalice and a large host suspended in the air, onto which drops of blood were falling from the face of Jesus crucified and from the wound in his side. These drops ran down onto the host and fell into the chalice. Beneath the right arm of the cross was Our Lady, and in her hand was her immaculate heart. It was Our Lady of Fatima, with her immaculate heart in her left hand, without sword or roses, but with a crown of thorns and flames. Under the left arm of the cross, large letters, as if of crystal clear water, which ran down upon the altar, formed these words, grace and mercy. Wow. It's an amazing image just to think about it, and it constructed in your mind as you read the description. The, yeah. the paintings are beautiful that I've seen of it. But to think that there in that image, you see the Trinity you know, represented as God the Father, God the Holy Spirit, and God the Son crucified to then see the blood flowing from Christ's wounded head and from his side over the hosts and into the chalice, definitely telling us the real presence is there in the Eucharist. Yeah. You know, and in fact, confirming what he always said is, I'll be with you always. <laughs> yeah. He's right there in the tabernacle waiting for us all the time. And then to see you on the other arm of the cross, the words grace and mercy. And those endure forever. If we, if we embrace that cross, if we see that cross and venerate that cross, grace and mercy are awaiting for us, and especially in this particular devotion. Yeah, most definitely. And uh, when you started reading that, it reminded me of um, a video. Um, I think it's called The Veil Removed, um, and it's oh. just very quick. Have you seen it? I've heard of it. I okay. haven't seen it, so please. Um, it's, there are things in it that, uh, you know, maybe I would change, and that maybe I'm like, ah, is that really what angels would look like, you know, and, and stuff like that. Um, but get yourself past any of that, 
and just pay attention to what I mean. I think it's a five-minute video. Oh, this is the one. What's like happening that. during the yes, mass? Yes, it shows. Yes. Yeah, what's literally going on during the mass. And so, yeah, when you talk about the blood coming down his side, you know, and dripping into the chalice and stuff like that. And so, yeah, it, it kind of pulls back the curtain um, over our eyes and kind of shows you the um, realities of what is happening. And, and I think that as as humans, you know. Part of our problem is we want to be able to see everything. We want to be able to observe everything. We want to be able to prove everything. Um, and so the spiritual realm sometimes to us seems like, well, maybe it's not really there. But it's just as much present and just as much real as, you know, <laughs> Dr. Tony and I are sitting across from one another. I, we can see each other. We can talk to one another. Just because we can't observe it with our eyes does not mean it's not happening. And the reality of what is happening there, I, I, I you know, I would just suggest um, go look it up on YouTube. It's not that long. Um, you can spend five or seven minutes, whatever it is, and, and just pay attention to um, what really is happening at the mass. You, you know, a, a good book that I, I remember reading. I should go back and reread it, but it was a number of years years ago. It was Scott Hahn's book, The Supper of the Lamb. Oh yeah, which is a fantastic discussion Absolutely. of what takes place at the mass. It was something that. That profoundly changed my uh, my approach to the mass and and how I attended and how I participated, how I assisted at mass, so to speak, uh, to understand the sacrifice there that was taking place and and to really understand that what we see and don't see um, is is that is that we are back there when the mass is taking place. Heaven comes down to earth, touches yeah. there. We are there with the communion of saints, and we are there. Very much as this image that Sister Lucia has seen, they're seeing again the, the 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 sacrifice on Calvary. It's being represented in this situation, and and it's 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 rather profound. It's yeah. very very profound to see uh, to know that we are bound uh, across time and eternity with with all the saints right there at yeah. that point in time. Uh, every mass that we go to, absolutely. And if you want to if you want to foretaste of heaven, that's that's it. When you have your mind properly, uh, it, it, it constituted and 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 aligned to what what is taking place, it's it's very impactful. Yeah, you know, and I think that when you when you understand that, <clears throat> um, and you know, we're humans. Um, there are times I, I will admit that I go to mass, and and uh -huh. if I if I just pay attention with my human senses, then the mass falls short. But the mass never actually falls short. <laughs> it's just me that has the issue because um, I was listening to um, at, uh, at NCYC, I was listening to a speaker and they said it so well. They said, the music may fall short. The homily may fall short. But you know what always shows up? The Eucharist. Yes. Christ always shows up. And it gives me tingles to, to say that and to, to remember that talk and to remember that and just be like, Wow. That is so so true. In in you know in in the hands of the humblest priests, in the humblest chapel, in the humblest location on earth, at mass at consecration, Christ our Lord comes down on that altar. You know the the King of the universe, the Master of the universe. He's right there. Yeah. And it's 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 rather profound. And what's even more profound is when you look at the devotion, not only for Saturday, but other devotions. So some people have a devotion to uh, the 
the Eucharistic sacrament as as reposed in the tabernacle, mm-hmm. or they'll go to to adoration, another fantastic devotion as well. Yeah. And to realize Christ is there. Fulton Sheen once commented, it was a great quote, and I'll, I'll probably not get it right, so just paraphrasing. He said, Christ is always waiting there for us in his prison cell of love, oh, being wow. in that tabernacle. And I, when I first heard that, it was just an amazing. And when you think about it, he, Christ humbles himself so much to allow himself to be there, waiting for us to come to him at any time. To yeah. just sit there and to, to adore him, to be there with him, whether it's an adoration that we have at our, uh, our Eucharistic Adoration Chapel or just simply going into a church, kneeling down or sitting down and, and reflecting upon Christ who is in the tabernacle. He's waiting there for us all the time. And that's wow. what's happening you know, every Saturday with this devotion, to contemplate not only the Blessed Virgin's participation in this this redemptive work, mm-hmm. you know, after all, she was the one who said yes to God, yeah. and we're we're asked to say yes to God, and hers was so complete and so full. And we we hope to model ourselves after that, yeah. and and then to to know that she accompanied Christ all the way through his life, and you know what she experienced on on Calvary. There she was, you know, standing there with her son as he was dying. And she was experiencing her own white martyrdom, if you will. Yeah. And so that is – it's rather profound when you think about that. So to be with her and, and, and to, to see Christ through her eyes every first Saturday is a tremendous devotion. It's, it's a treme- there are tremendous graces that flow from it. I mean, there are the graces that are promised with, uh, with assistance at, at, your, at your death and, and various other things, but um, – to be able to participate that and, and understand her suffering, not only then but even now, um, and make reparations for that. Uh, it's, it's, it's an outstanding way to bring oneself closer to her and closer to Christ through her. Well, there are so many thoughts that come up when you're – I mean, I, I almost don't even know where to go because the, the first thing that hit me was, do we really contemplate that the Lord of the universe – as you said that quote, um, you know, in his prison cell of love, the Lord of the universe, who did not have to, but chose to out of love, made himself bound in a piece of bread. <laughs> who does that? Look at any other faith anywhere. No other God from any other faith humbled himself to say, you know, um, I'm omniscient, I'm omnipotent, you know, um, there's, there's nothing I can't do. I don't have to do this, but because I made you out of love and I promise to be with you always, I will bind myself in this prison cell of love, uh, you know, as you said, he stated. Yeah. Um, and just, just to contemplate that, you know, almost makes my mind just go, blah, <laughs> holy cow. The, the, the reality is, is like even in that, that host, that consecrated host, it's, it's, it's no longer a piece of bread. It's the body, blood, soul, and divinity of Christ. And the reality of that is just too overwhelming for us to even understand. And yeah. so it has to be in this very, very simple image for us to see. Because otherwise, how, how would we even be able to stand in the presence of, of Christ himself? Um, it's kind of funny. I, I, I remember listening to um, – it was probably uh, within the last year, uh, Father, Father Nick 
uh, Parker came in and uh-huh. had, a, had a discourse on on uh, Eucharistic miracles mm-hmm. and the idea that some of these we've we've seen where a consecrated host suddenly turns into yeah. the a piece of flesh. Typically, it's if you there have been studies of this, it's, it's yeah. a piece of flesh from a heart of all things. So it's the Sacred Heart of Christ. And the idea that it has to be revealed to us in this very physical manifestation, manifestation of, of a piece of true flesh is sort of like God having to go to head and take a two-by-four and smack <laughs> us over the head and say, don't you see what is here? And yeah. now that it's flesh, it's even less than what it was because now it's no longer the Eucharist, as Father Nick said. But prior to that, it was Christ's body, blood, soul, and divinity. And it's there. And, and yes, in, in, in Christ even humbles himself so much that he allows himself to be carried around in a pyx. Yeah. Think about that. And in perhaps someone's pocket, reverently so, yeah. but to be taken to other places. Just imagine that. The, the, the God of the universe, our triune God, humble enough to be carried around from place to place. And it's just unbelievable when you, when you think about it from that perspective. But all that brings us back to, to the Fatima devotion and this first Saturday devotion and the idea to draw us ever closer into that reality. And there are so many graces that pour from it. And, and, and much of that comes from not only participating in it, but participating in it in, in, in the way of meditation upon the mysteries, meditation upon what is taking place and why we're doing it. Um, it's, it's, a, it's really profound Devotions themselves in this particular devotion, this devotion in particular, are rather profound. Yeah, you know something that that brings to mind because uh, you were talking about um, Mary and um, you know her um, sort of white martyrdom that she would have gone through. You know, um, there are never two souls um, in the history of this world that will be more closely united than Mary and her son. Yes. Um, you know, because both of them are sinless and he is God. <laughs> yeah. yeah. And, um, and so because of that, one, imagine what she would have suffered. The closer a parent is in true love to their child, the harder it is when something happens to that child. Um, you know, you know it as a parent. Mm-hmm. One of the hardest things is to watch your children suffer. And for her to know, you know, remember that it was revealed to her, and you also, your heart will pierce. Um, yeah. A sword will pierce, you know. And, and so she knew that this was going to be a tough road for her, yet she said yes anyway. How many of us knowing, like, if it was revealed to us, like, okay, this is going to be a very, like, you don't even understand how difficult this is going to be. Um, this is going to be very difficult. How many of us would be like, your will be done? I mean, so this devotion, you know, I, I think as you're speaking, really is starting to bring up in my own self um, that um, how can I be more like Mary and say, God, you got this. You first are suffering. And so whatever you suffer um, will give me the strength to suffer whatever I need to suffer. Right. And, and it's, it's an amazing thing to then think about how we are to model ourselves upon the Blessed Virgin and who is our, who is our mother by adoption um, to, to model her and model, model her humility and her trust in God. But, you know, at the same time, you, you can flip the, the coin to the other side. And this is where the, the question always comes about, about, well, why, why this particular devotion? Why the five first Saturdays? What are the sins committed against her Immaculate Heart? 
one could see Jesus' sorrow to see his mother mistreated, like we would yeah. see our parents who suffer as children. Uh-huh. We could see and, and, and be attuned with them and understand that they're, they're suffering and why are they suffering and what can I do? And so, you know, the, the question was, of course, why are, what are those, those blasphemies that are committed against the Immaculate Heart? And there are five of them. Uh, the first one is the blasphemy against the Immaculate Conception, because there are people who, who do not believe in the Immaculate Conception. And so there are people who actively try to, to um, denigrate that or to deny that. And so that is what we're making reparations for in this particular devotion. The second one is the blasphemies against her perpetual virginity. You know, there are people who deny that as well. And even though in our creed we basically say she's perpetually virgin, and the church has declared that too, um, there are people who either don't believe or, 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 um, or actively work against that, mm-hmm. that, that, that truth. Uh, blasphemies against her divine maternity and at the same time the refusal to recognize her as the mother of all mankind. Uh, so that also is one of the blasphemies that is being repaired for, is being uh, – um, yeah, is, is, is there's a reparation made through this devotion. And blasphemies of those who seek openly to foster in the hearts of children. And children don't mean just little children. We are all children of, of, of God. The indifference or contempt or even hatred for this Immaculate Mother. I mean, there are people who do not like the, the Blessed Virgin Mary. And it's always confusing to me why they, they wouldn't, knowing that she has all concern for all of her children. And, of course, she told us in the gospel, to and one of the few words recorded from her is, do what he says, referring to Jesus at the wedding feast of Cana. Yeah. And finally, the offenses of those who directly outrage her in her holy images, in her holy images. So people don't want to see the Blessed Virgin Mary, um, you know, venerated. As, as she ought to be, as the mother of God, and as, as the perfect creature of God. I mean, she is the most perfect creation uh, that, that, that exists, uh, that, that, were, that was created by our triune God. So um, there is due veneration. Uh, there is veneration due to her. Yeah. And, and there are people who wish not to do that and wish to scuttle it. We need to take a short break right now, but stay tuned to One Body Stewarding God's Creation. We'll be right back with more from Tony Gable on Mercy Through the First Saturday Devotion, right here on Divine Mercy Radio. One body, stewarding God's creation. We're back on One Body, Stewarding God's Creation on Divine Mercy Radio. Mercy through the first Saturday devotion. Tony Gable. One body, God's creation. Cody Marincer conducts the interview. Thank you so much for listening. Let's get back to uh, Dr. Tony Gable. Um, you stopped by uh, talking about um, uh, this uh, first. Holy Saturdays, uh, making reparation for the blasphemies against Mary. And one of the things is, you know, sometimes, especially if we have non-Catholic listeners out there, um, it's not because Mary is God. But if we think about it in this way, when anybody um, says something irreverent, um, 
you know, cheap, wrong about somebody else, what that does is that demeans their personhood. Um, it demeans their name. And so Christ has every right to say, this is my mom you are talking about. Right. And I do not appreciate that. You know, um, and, and, uh, and just like um, any one of us ought to and should stand up for our parents and say, you know, th- no, that's my mom. Um, please do not talk about her in that way, you know, um, and, uh, and it'd be nice if I got an apology, you know, um, and I think Christ and Mary have every right to ask that. And because there are some people out there that are just going to be like, who are you to tell me? The rest of us need to then pick that up and say, you know, um, for all the things that are done wrong against you, Lord, and against your name, Mary, um, and who you are and and your important role in our salvation, um, I want to help make reparations for that. Yeah, absolutely. In fact, that's that's in in my mind. That's in fact the one of the main goals uh, is to is to comfort her and comfort her son, you know, comfort yeah. Christ our Lord. Because if if someone, as you said, would say something terrible about our mother, not only would our mother hurt, but but we would hurt very much too. And so, not only are we apologizing for those things and and making reparation for them. In, in our actions. And reparation is the key thing, trying to repair that damage. And that's why we offer up these things. These things, which, of course, it's just kind of always, it, it, I get a chuckle. These things that we're offering up are things that have been given by Christ to us yeah. through the church, through Holy Mother Church. Yeah. I mean, these aren't even ours. We're just essentially taking these wonderful gifts that are already given to us yeah. and then sort of putting them back in the hands of God and saying, I'm offering up the graces from this. And in order to to repair damages that have been committed against against the Immaculate Heart and against also your Sacred Heart, you know, Jesus. Yep. It's it's an amazing thing to do, and it's an amazing thing to contemplate. And crazily enough, I was thinking of something else, and as I was saying those things, it just slipped out of my mind. <laughs> so I, now I'm trying to think of what I was going to say. Well, yeah. um, I'll, I'll throw something in here okay. then really quickly, because um, as you were speaking about that, and uh, um, I tried to write these down, um, all of the blasphemies um, against right. Mary and her person. Um, one of them, you know, is um, blasphemy, blasphemies against holy images. So there's all kinds of paintings, all kinds of art and stuff like that. And so if, if you want to know, you know, like, um, I guess, what drives Satan mad? Well, look at the things that are being done to images of Mary. There are things out there that I can't even say on the air yes. that are done to images and pictures of her. And people are so-called calling them art. Yeah. And so if you want to look and go, okay, well, um, is, this, is this actually wrong? You know, are Catholics wrong in, in their veneration of Mary? Um, you know, um, I would say maybe even start taking a look there. If it was wrong for us to do that, then Satan would love it, and he wouldn't do those things against Mary, mm-hmm. if, if you're following me. Yep. Because... They, because veneration of Mary is a very good and holy thing, because she's all of our mother, our spiritual mother, and because she points us towards Christ, then Satan hates that, and he wants to destroy her image, which is why they do things like this to those pictures, is to demean her worth. Yeah, there, there, the, uh, there are two aspects to that uh, when, when you look at the, the demeaning of the, the sacred images. Uh, the first thing is, is the defacement or the debasement of beauty. Yeah. I mean, 
truth is beauty, and, yep. and in beauty we find truth. And so that sounds a little circular, but if you're following me here, if you yeah. if you look at – you've probably walked into various churches. Some of them are newer. Some of them are older. But ones that have been beautifully decorated, yeah. and you see the artwork, and immediately you're drawn to the artwork, not because of necessarily the the image that is there, but you look at it and you say, "This is beautiful." Yeah, and you're stunned first of all by the beauty, second that that human hands perhaps could have created this. Yeah, and then you look at the image, and if it's of the Blessed Virgin, or if it's of the Blessed Virgin and Saint Joseph and the Infant Jesus in in a crash, you know, you're looking at perhaps uh, the nativity scene, a beautiful painting of it. Suddenly, you're drawn into this contemplation, and and your mind rises to God. Okay, yeah. so you undercut the beauty; that doesn't happen as easily. Yeah, you you defame or you deface the image that is to be venerated. Uh, that's the attack against the the message that is being conveyed. And so there's yeah. a, there's a twofold attack there. If, if you know, it's it's no surprise that as you look around, sometimes you see. Things aren't as beautiful as they once were, mm-hmm. whether it's the architecture that you might see from time to time, whether it's uh, what passes as edgy art nowadays, yeah. you you begin to see that there doesn't seem to be an eye towards what beauty is. And you find some comfort going to some of these older – to museums that have older paintings, especially from uh, from uh, the, the period of you know, the 1400s, 1500s, and 1600s, especially by Italian or German yeah. masters. Absolutely gorgeous paintings, and and suddenly you you see that your mind is lifting towards God, um, and that that brings me back to I, I remember what I was going to say. Okay, fantastic. So as as opposed to the the blasphemies or the terrible things said about her mother, and that heart hurts Jesus. Think about when one prays a hail Mary, and does so with with intention and and with devotion. Mm-hmm. It, because there, when you say the Hail Mary, you're giving honor to Christ's mother. And just imagine how he probably enjoys hearing that from your lips to say, to repeat the words of the angel Gabriel, Hail Mary, full yeah. of grace, the Lord is with thee. Yeah. And then to repeat the words of, of St. Elizabeth, who says, blessed are you among women, and blessed is the fruit of your womb. Yeah. I mean, just imagine, I mean, when, when our parents, when we hear from friends about uh, how they admire our parents and, yeah. and those wonderful stories. They say, oh, you should have seen your parents back when or or they did this yeah. or your dad did this for your mom or your mom always did this for your dad. And you sit there yeah. and you have this sense of, of immense pride and love for your parents. Just imagine how great that is when Christ hears us say that about his mother Yeah. as opposed to what we see these these sins committed against her immaculate heart. Yeah, no kidding. Wow. You said that so much more beautifully than me. Thank you. <laughs> um, but, I mean, to, to kind of just – Thank you for prodding me along this path. <laughs> hammer that point home. Yeah, the beauty draws us towards the transcendence. Um, and, and there was a – I don't remember who it was. Um, maybe you will know. Um, but I'm thinking it's, um, a very prominent theologian in our times right now said uh, – he's a convert. Um, and he said – if Catholics are wrong, how did they get beauty so right? Because yeah. he was looking at all the old um, uh, Gothic era type um, cathedrals and stuff like that. And I think he walked in one maybe in Rome or somewhere. I could be wrong. But, but yeah, I was looking at it and was like – and that was kind of his first um, 
draw towards, I need to take Catholicism seriously and look at it. And then he became Catholic. I mean, it was because of beauty that drew him towards the church. It, it's amazing what what that will do. You know, Catholic art, good Catholic art, yeah. draws the mind towards God and helps elevate our minds towards God. And yeah. that's, that's really what is necessary. Um, and I am now again. I had something else in my mind. I was going to follow okay. up on. I well, I'm going to put okay. a, a shameless plug in then for Immaculate Heart of Mary. Um, well, for um, um, all of our churches here, because we are blessed um, in Hayes. Um, you know, Saint Nick's. We did um, a renovation here a few years ago, and, and people are still like, "Oh my goodness, it's gorgeous!" Oh, yeah. And Immaculate Heart. Um, I've seen the um, artist renderings, and when that is finished, um, you know, I said yesterday, I'm not even a parishioner there, but I'm so excited to go there. You know. Um, you know, daily mass or whatever it is I may show up there for. Um, yeah, it, 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 it's already beautiful in there, but it's going to be, like I said earlier, it, it's going to be that transcendent beauty that it is going to draw your senses up. Mm-hmm. Um, and it, it's, it's almost going to make it impossible to not think about God when you walk in there. Yeah, it's, I, I think it's going to turn out very, very well. Yeah. I mean, it's, I've seen you know, different renderings of it. I'm, I'm looking forward to it myself. Uh, can't wait yeah. till that day when it's all done. Absolutely. Uh, but there's going to be a long time to get there. <laughs> yes. Uh, we are here with a wonderful guest, Dr. Tony Gable, talking about the first Saturday devotion. And we have gotten so much out of this already. Um, there are so many things we've talked about, but I want to get back to it um, and uh, see where uh, Dr. Tony is going to take us from here. So take it away. Yeah, where am I going to take it from here? <laughs> oh, okay. <laughs> <laughs> you know, but going back to the very beginning, um, yeah, this idea of devotions, and we do have several devotions that help see us the mercy that is available for us. Sure. Looking at the, the mercy that endures forever. You know, you have, of course, the Divine Mercy devotion, and in particular, the uh, Divine Mercy Novena yep. that uh, takes place after Easter and before Divine Mercy Sunday. Uh, the uh, mercy that is extended, the grace that is extended to us is unbelievable. I mean, yeah. if, if people really look into these devotions uh, and take them seriously, there is so much available to us uh, to help us not only in our daily lives, but especially at that moment where where we move from this life into the next, yeah. which will be its own challenge. Uh, First Friday devotion, another devotion that exists and uh, nine First Fridays, consecutive First Fridays, and the act of reparation to the sacred heart of Jesus in that. Another fantastic devotion, again, graces that abound there. And, and to see, once again, as you mentioned, that the souls are so closely united, you know, the, the sacred heart, the soul of Christ, the soul of Mary, the sacred heart of Jesus, the immaculate heart of Mary, to see those two devotions coming together on a first Friday and a first Saturday um, is a tremendous opportunity for us to continue to grow yeah. in our love and devotion to our to our God. St. Joseph's Parish in Hayes has, if I recall correctly, a first Friday devotion uh, an act of reparation at, I believe, noon. But uh, that is an opportunity that's available there at, at St. Joseph's Parish. <laughs> that's awesome. So the first Fridays is um, nine first Fridays. Nine first Fridays. And the first Saturdays is five, is five first Saturdays. Right. So. <laughs> Lord, don't get mad at me for saying this. But it, it, when you said that, it was, it was kind of like Jesus came along and, and was like, you know what? Um, I want to give you guys a devotion um, to my sacred heart. Um, and so, you know, here are the go to uh, mass for uh, nine first Fridays. And Mary was like, 
I think we should make it a little easier. <laughs> you know, it's kind of like a mom going, let's give him a little bit more help there, son. You know, let's, let's do five, you know, and, um, because either devotion is focused on the same thing um, at um, strengthening your relationship um, with our Lord. Right. And, and even if you go to the, uh, the, uh, the novena for divine mercy, it's, it's uh, one week. Yeah, and so when you think about that, uh, it's there are so many opportunities for us to take advantage of this. each devotion. Each devotion, as the as the uh, Vatican II has said, as popes have said, as our conference of Catholic bishops has said in the United States, devotions are to harmonize with the liturgy, not take place of it, not interrupt it, yeah. but to see our 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 Sunday weekly life lived out in daily or in other moments through devotions that draw us closer to God. That's what matters. You know, to find that devotion that perhaps works best for you and, and to draw closer to God that way. Now, I have a particular interest in the five first Saturdays for, for a number of reasons, but um, you know, to have that devotion and then to maintain it every yeah. first Saturday to go, I've, I've noticed a deepening of, of my uh, love for God, my love for, for the Blessed Virgin, um, and uh, my being drawn closer uh, to God through this particular devotion, and so I and I also see it as as something that's happened recently within the last hundred years, and so a, a request from our Blessed Mother, very very specifically accompanied by a great miracle, uh, the miracle of the yeah. Son on October thirteenth of, of nineteen seventeen, that confirms its authenticity. The Church has come out in nineteen thirty and said. This is a worthy uh, the, the the events of Fatima are worthy of belief. Yeah, and so you know, giving permission for this to take place and to cultivate that, um, I think there are many fruits to be to be gathered from this particular devotion if we if we only take the time and effort to do it. Because in, in nowadays, even you say five day or five first Saturdays, it sounds easy, but how many other things in life compete for oh, yeah. our time? On Saturday mornings, yep. especially in the 21st century. I mean, yep. and even on Fridays, how many things compete for our time mm-hmm. on a Friday morning or even a Friday evening if there's a Friday evening mass to compete with us, especially for nine consecutive first Fridays. So there is definitely a sacrifice on our part yeah. in order to do this. And and, and frankly, the, the greater the sacrifice in, some, in, in many instances – the greater the reward, the greater the graces that flow from it. Yeah, I would agree. And I, and I definitely don't make it um, to daily mass nearly enough. <laughs> I mean, hardly ever. Um, but when I do, I mean, there's, you never leave daily mass going, man, I wish I would have done something else. Yeah. I mean, and, and uh, the thing that always, um, you know, I don't want to say it amazes me because it's just natural. Um, but you, you meet someone and you're like, man, they are just a great person. And then you happen to show up at a daily mass, and they're there. And you're like, well, that makes sense, you know, because they're probably there all the time. And, and that's kind of the thing is, I've, you know, you notice that, that a lot of the people that are going to daily mass, one, they're more calm, they're more peaceful, they're more joyful, they handle situations better. I mean, they're not perfect. They're they're human. But I have noticed that's happened to me many times where you, you just notice kind of like that person seems to be a lot more holy than I am. And then if you, you show up and you're like, oh, they're daily mass goers, you know, or they're first Saturday mass goers. And, and, and um, 
I'm not trying to say that like it just automatically makes you a a, a saint, but there's there's definitely graces you are getting by going to those. You know, it, it coupled with that, I think you'll you'll find um, probably something that also brings greater peace to people is frequent reconciliation, going to confession. Yeah more often than the required once a year. Absolutely. Um, and, and that's the beauty about the, the first Saturday devotion is that it, it, it requires that confession to take place. And, and so then you become attuned to uh, the spiritual battle that's taking place around you and how the devil is trying to get you uh, to get you to sin and how maybe you've fallen. And then to come to Christ in the sacrament of that, in that, that wonderful, wonderful sacrament, and, and to humbly ask for forgiveness and to be reconciled to it. And to do that frequently, um, you know, monthly or maybe every two weeks even, uh, to, to really you know, nitpick at your soul and to clean it and to, to get it ready. And then, especially in conjunction with a devotion, to prepare yourself to receive Christ in all his glory in the tabernacle of of your body. I mean, it, it, as you and Bill were talking about it, you become a tabernacle. You're, or I think you mentioned your walking monstrance yeah. as I was listening as I was driving here. And and don't you want that to be completely clean, as, as transparent as possible, so people can see Christ in his fullness in you? And so that's why that I, my, my sort of parting comment I've made the previous times I've, I've been here on, on Divine Mercy Radio is, is go to confession. Stay confessed. Uh, to anyone who's listening out there, if you've been gone from confession for a while, um, Father probably won't care too much. He'll be absolutely <laughs> joyous that you are there. Uh, and and frankly, we need to keep we need to keep our priests busy at the confessional too. Yeah, absolutely. And, and that because that is that is a one way to bring the some of us sheep who have gone astray, including myself, to bring us back into the fold and bring us closer to God. So. Um, that is a wonderful sacrament, and uh, I, I encourage everyone to to partake in it. Absolutely. Wonderful words of uh, wisdom there, Tony. Thank you so very much. I wholeheartedly agree. Go to confession awesome, uh, often. Um, keep our <laughs> keep our priests busy. And I've heard so many, uh, so many stories from priests that that is their absolute favorite thing to do. And, you know, some of them even come to tears when somebody rolls in and it's been 10 years, 20 years, 30 years, and, you know, and they are at that moment, they are welcome home. Yeah. You know, so thank you, Tony, so You're very much welcome. for your time. Thank you. I really appreciate it. You're welcome. Have a wonderful day. Keep you praying for us. I certainly will. And, uh, oh, by the way, yeah. after first Saturday, uh, we do have coffee and donuts. <laughs> All so right. After bonus. The, yeah. After the, <laughs> after we do the guided meditation in the gathering space, we have coffee and donuts. So, uh, a little bit of, uh, yeah, some bonus for those Fantastic. of you who want to come. Thank you so much. Thank you. Thanks for tuning in to One Body, Stewarding God's Creation. If you're a business or service that can underwrite this One Body show, please know that your underwriting spot can run three times during the show, which runs five times a week. The cost for all five stations is a mere $150 per month. Interested? Call 785-621-4110. You're listening to the Network of Stations of Divine Mercy Radio. If today you hear His voice, Pardon not your heart. One body, stewarding God's creation.